What's up, everyone? Welcome to this new episode of the Flow Prince podcast, a space where we share the blueprints of our ongoing glow up. I'm Helena Morgan, your host. I'm a multidisciplinary artist, intuitive and highly sensitive. And this is where we talk about all things wellness from that special lens we got as creatives. We're here every other Tuesday of the month. So take a seat and let's vibe together. Today is super special. Number one, because technically it's the launch of the podcast. So as I'm recording this, you're already able to access the first episode of the season. And I can't wait to hear what you thought, what you resonated with. And number two, it's even more special because it's my first time having a guest on the podcast. Been recording for several months, but today's the first time. And um, we have a very special guest. Alana is someone that I met through Sisterhood Media when they were co-producing my docuseries, Kaleidoscope Stories, which was several years ago. And we've had a lot of long, insightful conversations, so I can't wait for you all to hear the one we have today. Alana is a writer. She is a publisher. She's also a fat bodies liberationist and an EDIR educator. She is also from Toronto. So sit back and enjoy. Let's let's delve into our main topic for today. <laughs> <laughs> we have great conversations. Yeah. I appreciate them. <laughs> um, yes. So today um, we're going to talk about luxury. And so I think a good place to start is to define what luxury is um, for, you know, both of us um, Mm -hmm. in our own words, because it can sound materialistic to some and maybe not to Mm -hmm. others. And then when we say luxury, Mm -hmm. like there's these automatic associations that we probably make, we probably have some in common, you and I. Um, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not the same for everybody. Um, so I'm going to start very quickly. Um, for me, luxury is an experience. It's like whenever we're free and allowing ourselves to embody what freedom, what abundance, what beauty is to us. Um, Mm -hmm. and to me, there's also an aspect of comfort and of reward at times, um, like an intentionality, Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I don't necessarily see it as grandiose or automatically over the top or expensive. Um, but it's so interesting mm-hmm. that you talked about the home. So it's, this is very full circle because it's definitely a part of my <laughs> definition. Uh, and for me, like in 2020 to 2021, um, luxury was about creating a sanctuary out of my home. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. we didn't know how long we'd uh, be locked inside. So immediately, like, on top of um, having just moved into a new apartment, um, my instinct was that my home ought to be a beautiful sanctuary. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and those were in my notes. So we're on the same wavelength. What about you? What about you? Like, what is your definition of luxury? So it's so great that you mentioned the sanctuary part, because for me, 
the one word that keeps on floating around in my mind is reprieve. You know, luxury offers you that sense of reprieve where you're able to enjoy, but also find comfort. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all it appeals to so many senses within that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I too don't see it as like a materialistic, you know, type of form. It's more so um, the, you know, accessing luxury is about like, how you feel and how you experience something and does it feel good? And also does it, you know, in this black life, it's so difficult. Many things, does it offer you joy? Does it offer you like embodied support? Like all these things, all these, you know, these sensory things that I find that, you know, when I do partake in what I call, I perceive to be luxury, Mm -hmm. um, particularly around fashion, um, I feel good in my body. I feel like my body is like supported. I also feel like my body is adorned in a particular Mm. way. And, you know, that's like quality. That's like, you know, that's intentionality. That's not necessarily like, oh, I just bought this expensive thing, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. But it can be because like, you know. (laughs) Why not? Yeah, why not? You know, I feel like it's not a set definition, but it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a feeling, for right? Sure. A dynamic one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I hear that absolutely. And the fashion, I always, um, you know, and th- that's one of the reasons why I um, invited you to come on the show. Um, because when I think luxury, when I think self care, like you're definitely someone that comes to mind and. I think I've told you before, it's like your taste. I would definitely say you have impeccable taste. Like I always remember your outfits (laughs) and stuff like that. Like your impeccable taste to me is not going to look the same on every person. It's just like, Mm -hmm. I love how you dress your body and how you just like, um, like what you exude. And so I absolutely think luxury can be a person too. (laughs) You're luxurious. Thank you. <laughs> Thank and, you so much. I really yeah. appreciate that. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, but do you remember your first experience of luxury? Like your earliest memory of uh, that first experience you might have created for yourself or maybe not? Mm-hmm. You remember that? I thought about this earlier. Yeah. I had a feeling this would come up. <laughs> so <laughs> I was always a fashion girl. And, you know, I, love how you I said didn't that. grow up. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I can see the body girl. language and the, the facial expression <laughs> that you said that. <laughs> From the early my earliest recollection, I was always on like had a little one to you know put together. That's just mm-hmm. I feel like honestly, it's just fashion is honestly one of my favorite like art forms along with writing. Mm-hmm. But like fashion has always been it's always been a love in my life, you know, and it is expression. Um, in you know, in certain part of my life, um you know, as a bigger woman living in a bigger body, sometimes it also felt like rebellion mm. because it was like my, audac- my audacity to be seen 
in a world that otherwise told me to, you know, just be heard, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Barely, but like, you know what I mean? Like the embodiment of that, of like taking up literal space. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely see that, like, you know, that expression that um, I tapped into earlier on because, you know, I've I've always been um, a girl who loved fashion, but I've always existed in a bigger body than like my peers and my family. Mm. And so fashion then became this tool that allowed me to show up in the world that gave me empowerment in ways that like I couldn't access, you know, going to school or going to just being amongst my peers or, Mm -hmm. you know, being at home. Um, Like fashion was that like my mouthpiece in many, in many contexts. So I feel like you have have mastery of that. Like, absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, But like to answer your initial question, because I could talk about this all day, (laughs) but I do remember um, in middle school, um, a supply teacher was just like, wow, I love your outfit. I really love your outfit. And I thought that that really stood out to me because like she was a supply teacher. I've never met her before. She wasn't like my regular teacher, but like she, she, I just felt seen at at that point. Mm -hmm. And like, you know. Um, I'm not necessarily like the most flashy person, but I love detail. Mm-hmm. And so she like recognized that like, you know, um, a particular detail of my outfit. Um, and so I was like, thank you. Like, I just remember me being like, thank you for recognizing this. Yes. You know, like, yeah. So Something that is intentionally there like, that someone else notices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny because, like, I didn't know her from anywhere, you know? And um, she noticed my, my like, subtle details. So, yeah, but, yeah, I've always been a fashion girl. I've always loved fashion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> Which I don't even, I don't think <laughs> I have the awareness that that was fashion. There's so many definitions of that. Like, you have the fashion business and then fashion as, like, an art which to me is different and also played into why I didn't pursue fashion (laughs) Um, and I was younger, but yeah, that was, um, and I think we've talked about that. That was definitely my first love, I think, when it comes to creating. Mm -hmm. I I think I just felt different, was a very creative kid, had different outlets, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think drawing and like creating clothes was like a very specific feeling and I made the association in my head very early on that that was what I would today define as a career right like I remember Mm -hmm. one day I started drawing and I became I think I had one day of like um, an arts class like we were taught like the proportions of the body, like, I, I don't even know how to define that, but like the, I think the Western, um, what would that be? I think there's a definition, but it's like, you know how you learn bodies as like this standardized mm-hmm. um, representation, which is absolutely mm-hmm. not <laughs> how everybody looks. <laughs> 
but you learn, <laughs> you learn how to draw that. And I remember I took that and ran with it and just started drawing like outfits mm. all day long. And then one day Aww. I just went downstairs and I was like, mom, what's the job to, you know, do that? And she was like, oh, I'm a fashion <laughs> designer. I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to be. And I ran back into my room and that's a whole like story in and of itself as to why <laughs> that is not who I am today. Aww. But um, yes. yeah, always a fashion girl as well. Like definitely. Yes, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just people noticing yeah. the outfits, just putting, I was dressing differently. I think that that's the main mm -hmm. thing, just daring in different ways yes like wearing colors that people are like what a lot of things that people are doing <laughs> today is what i was doing growing up like a lot of my friends would say that it's just like listen <laughs> this is not new to her so, <laughs> so i've never shared this with you but we didn't even know each other when i first witnessed your fashion actually but what? it was a tip Panel. Yeah, I'm going to share this with you. It was a TIFF panel like years ago, definitely like, you know, well before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. But I remember because you were a panelist and you had these like chunky like platform boots. Uh -huh. And I was just like staring at them because like I love platforms. Like I, I don't know if it's like, you know, particularly because like I found them easier to walk in but I just love the 70s aesthetic so like mm -hmm. chunky like platform boots I love and I remember like you wore these like brown chunky ones yeah and I was just like those are so dope <laughs> <laughs> thank you so Oh, and that's like my earliest recollection of you and your fashion because like it just stood out so much and they were so beautiful. Do you know which boots I'm talking about? I think I do. I think I do. Yeah. Um, was I was I in all like brown beige? Was that was it that day? Because I'm just trying to think there is a time like there's a specific tiff where like uh, a season where I was just like, yeah, we're out there. <laughs> Yeah, was it that? There what? What? You know what was so crazy? Like I just remember the boots. I don't even remember the outfit. I just yeah. remember the boots, and I think that's like that's me in a nutshell too. Like the detail, <laughs> like the that, detail will like your, yeah. resonate. With yeah. yeah, that can happen absolutely. <laughs> right? Like I just remember the boots. Like they were so beautiful. I believe they were like suede, but I just remember it was like a really rich, like cognac, cognac mm -hmm. brown. Yeah. And, yeah. I think, um, and I then think the purple, I there's another time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's I another think time. I what day you're talking about out. specifically is what I mean. Not just the outfit, but I, yeah. I remember that day. That day was very magical because I think it was also the CFC brunch. And. Okay. And we headed there and the pictures we took, everybody was obsessed with that, the group of black girls. Like <laughs> we were very much like black girl magic that day. It was like, what? Yeah. And we weren't like all dressed in any particular way, but yeah, we were glowing. So, and I uh -huh. love hearing that. I love that because you weren't at the brunch, but I, I we obviously did the tip no. thing because it's at the same time, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. Do you still hmm. have those pictures? I still do. I will show you. Okay, you have to share them with me. No, yeah, it was the kind of thing where, like, black girls who we didn't know ended up on the picture, and then somehow we find each other on Instagram, and it's like, can you send me the picture? <laughs> like, I ate that look. Yes. Yes. I ate love that it. look. I remember. Thank you. Thank you. And then, really quickly, there's another time. It was another tip though. Like this is another year, a whole nother tip. And you like, we were in line for a party, one of those like parties and you were wearing these overalls. And I was like, oh, that's so dope. Like (laughs) we didn't know each other, but I just remember like, I remember seeing you out and you were wearing these overalls. I'm like, oh, that's so dope. Like you look so good. So yeah, you definitely are. I, I definitely see your fashion, your fashion girl, and you're unique. And I love that. I love that so much. Likewise. Thank you so much. This is so interesting that you're saying that because I feel like I'm just now reconnecting with my body. And it's so like, I remember those years and anything that's been in the past, let's say five years as like me being uncomfortable in my body and it changing according to my mental health. And so Mm -hmm. it's so like, it's heartwarming. And it's also like, wow, I feel like there's, um, it's like a documentary. I'm discovering like the perspective of, you know, someone like you who was seeing me at that time. That wasn't me in my head. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, wow, wow. I, um, like fashion is always going to be that thing. But for me, I have, mm-hmm. a, I can also have a very different experience with my body as it is right. separate from the clothing. Right. Um, right. But I feel like fashion can also be a bit of your armor. Like, you know, that you're going mm-hmm. somewhere and at some point, it's so interesting that you mentioned the boots because there's a day that I wore them at TIFF specifically because I needed to feel a certain way. And I think there's a time where I was like, no, like it's not authentic if you're, you know, doing that thing, like, which is like, you know, putting on an armor or like all of that. And then there's one day where I clicked and I was like, no, but if it can help you access a certain feeling about your body and about your Mm -hmm. mind, about yourself as a whole, then that's, Mm -hmm. that's important too. You know, like it's, it's almost like a tool. It doesn't have to be a way to think about, you know, being inauthentic. It's like, no, you're Mm -hmm. actually using your creativity, using a tool Mm -hmm. to help you elevate, right. And feel good. You're not necessarily hiding mm-hmm. anything. It's just like embellishing. It's like a, an adornment, like you said, yeah. right? Yeah. So I remember that day. I knew I would run into someone and I was just like, listen, that person has the ability to make me like <laughs> and where I was. <laughs> I would still be able at the time to allow them to draw me like all the way down. So I was just like, nah, mm-hmm. we're not doing this. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to. Mm-hmm. We're gonna dress nice, and it's not about impressing anyone. It's about me embodying my full body, yes. right? Embodying my yes. body. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that resonates with me. Mm. Yeah, for sure, because I feel like getting dressed in many ways for me, like it's me showing up for myself in this mm-hmm. life, you know. And it must be um, like a completely different process from. Um, from someone who is of a maybe like a smaller size or just 
with a different body. Because I don't think that fashion mm-hmm. caters to your body type in the way that it should. I think that's something that mm-hmm. is very much <laughs> known. Um, but I just, I really admire you just always finding amazing pieces and you really rocking them. Like, you you know, you know how to adorn your body. And I'm so glad that there's more and more brands that are um, available. Mm-hmm. How would you like, because I think you've touched on it a bit of mm-hmm. showing up for yourself and it's not as easy, but um, how do you feel about the that evolution of fashion? You you specifically, because fashion is evolving in many, many ways, but we're talking specifically when it comes to you. Mm -hmm. Such a, yeah, that's, I have many feelings about like, you know, the industry part of it Mm -hmm. and just like, you know, the larger structures in place that kind of perpetuate a lot of fat phobia, you know, and, um, I find that like it's definitely been, you know, a journey mm-hmm. and it continues on. I don't think there's ever like a des- a destination point where like I will, you know, fully arrive in my body that's like, you know, um to a point where it's like, you know, I feel like fully affirmed or, you know, however however, you know, someone can fully feel like you know, the best in their body. It comes in waves. It's definitely difficult because I do need to navigate life. And there's so many reminders that like, you know, being in a bigger body is like just not wanted or accessible, like acceptable or, you know, um, Mm -hmm. there's so many things that remind you that like you shouldn't celebrate, you know, your life or your body or just be happy with what, where you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know, when it comes to particularly fashion, like even in Toronto, like I always, I always recognize that it's a desert, you know, and it's not just fashion. It's just like accessing your everyday needs of clothing, your body It's so difficult to access inclusive sizing, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, in North America specifically, like you know, the stand, like the average body, I don't know what the stats are, like particularly in in 2020, because the world has changed so much. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was reading a lot of like, you know, discourse on like, you know, plus size fashion and just size inclusion, they always, like always reinforce the fact that the average body in North America is a size 16. Mm -hmm. So with that knowledge, like being readily available, it signals that like a lot of, you know, culturally, in this context, in this part of this world, that there is no commitment to, you know, honoring the fact that like folks live in bigger bodies and we're going to make clothes in all shapes and sizes to um, allow for people to, you know, get their needs, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. it's such a, it's, it's such a persisting problem till this day that like folks are just not committed to making larger size clothes or they'll do something like from what I've observed is like they'll do stylistically like oversized, right? So yeah. there was a point in my life in Canada where I had to wear like, you know, there's a lot of stores that were doing oversized, but it was actually just my normal size, you know? Mm. And that's how I was surviving, going to the mall because like 
there was no there was no sizes for me, right? Yeah. And what does it mean to like live in a country where like you can't even access clothes to fit your body? And I say this as a you know a person who's on the lower end of you know a, a fat body, right? Mm. Like I wear a size sixteen, a size eighteen, and like I'm able to access things, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I recognize that too because there's people who have different bodies, larger bodies, different forms, different um, you know abilities within their bodies, and yeah. it's completely destitute, you know. So. I recognize that like fashion in many ways, you know, perpetuates a lot of those like horrible things. And um, I'm also dedicated to like, you know, talking about it and just being on platforms like this one where I can actually talk about how harmful it is um, with like have felt within my body. And I've also observed other folks who I'm in community with mm-hmm. how like it trickles down to so many parts of ourselves where it's like, you know, society is telling us that like we we don't they we don't want you here. Mm-hmm. You because know? I think like that thing you're describing of just the persistent issue of not catering to that average size that was um, mm-hmm. said explicitly. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's it's almost like it's completely like telling people to apologize for not fitting what already exists and it's like no the only way you're gonna wear that is if you disappear or if you Mm -hmm. lose weight lose fat whatever it's like you need to fit that it's we're not gonna go the other way around and it's like yes but that is the average and again we're talking Mm -hmm. about an average it's not a spectrum we're literally talking about one specific size right but yeah this is you know what's so interesting like um one example that comes up to in my mind is um rihanna's line uh fenty yeah. um before there was like fenty beauty there was like fenty the clothing line right the savage and by fenty thing no that- not even the like the lingerie or the homeware it's like literally fenty was like um it was oh, by um, was it Oh, wow. This was like her first line. And she was doing um, contemporary wear. And it went up to a size 12, I believe, a US 12. But I remember being on YouTube and like all these influencers like Jackie Ina Mm -hmm. and Patricia Bright were like doing a haul. They were reviewing it. And, you know, these are people who are in smaller bodies and they were buying size US 10s. Um, or like US eights. And so I was just like Rihanna sm- like also literally small. <laughs> they're literally right. like five foot two or something, also, not just even yeah. in, in in terms of the body size, it's like the height. Wet mm-hmm. size ten. And then- <laughs> right. And that's not their that wasn't their standard size. And so like mm-hmm. the clothes were cut so small that Rihanna at that time, she was wearing the largest size of her line. And I was like to me, like when you're creating fashion or just producing fashions, like it's almost like it's world building. Like you are literally imagining a world where people are wearing your clothing. Mm-hmm. But what does it mean when you're creating a world where like you yourself just fit into it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not, like set off so much in my mind where it's like, yeah. you know, what is happening here? Like, what yeah. are we 
you know, like, what are we, what are we, what is the message here? And it, yeah. it just felt so harmful that, like, I don't, I know it's, like, also celebrity culture and, you know, there's so many things, but it, it really resonated with me that, like, you would create a line where you just fit into it, you know? Barely, right? You're like barely you including your own barely body. Fit into it. Right. So the other but, is, like, you know, uh, like it, it becomes an explicit message, but it's like implicitly what's not mm-hmm. said is like the rest does not exist, and it's like wow. Mm-hmm. How do you feel yeah. about the 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 lines and the clothing and the lingerie that was created more recently by by Fenty? Because we're talking about Fenty and mm-hmm. the moves yeah, that have been made. That How I do brought you feel? it to there, but. <laughs> I use no, that but, specific example. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's a great example because I I don't think I remember that time that you that line that you were mm-hmm. um, mentioning. But because mm-hmm. you know it's it's also existing in a space where they are, um, I think their goal is to try and change things to a certain extent. I don't know. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not in charge of the change, right? And they're not. Um, right. But how do you feel like they're doing? you know, in terms of what's come out more mm-hmm. recently. Right. So I've never bought anything from, you know, Savage Fenty mm-hmm. uh, specifically, but I have observed online, like, you know, I'll be on Twitter and I, I try to follow folks who like, you know, as much as it, it's like, you know, fun rhetoric, like they also challenge a lot of like, you know, the discourse and just what's happening in the world. I like folks who take up activism because it matters, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can definitely resonate with a lot of, you know, bigger women on Twitter talking about these issues. And so what, you know, I've taken, what I've noticed is that, you know, folks do talk about um, the fact that, you know, the sizing still is not there. And I think, I think also because like, you know, with Brianna's beauty line, there's this like amazing thing that happened where it's like her, her, the shades, mm-hmm. like during her first launch of her, like um, her foundation, there were so many shades, right? Like a finally black woman, like even going into Sephora, I swatched it, like, you know, just trying to find my shade. And there was just so much room to explore mm-hmm. that it almost like, you know, it, it kind of gave hope to the fact that like, you know, things were changing and yes, you know, this is also within celebrity culture, but like she had the power to create a line that like was representative of black women in all, in so many shades. Right. Mm-hmm. And even the marketing, like, you know, reinforced that. I saw a lot of influencers who, you know, were of all shades uh, within, you know, as black people, mm-hmm. like accessing this product. And it was really exciting So, you know, I'm not a makeup girl, to be honest. Like, I see people, (laughs) like, do makeup, and it's so beautiful. Helena, you're one of them. You know, like, you definitely do really beautiful things with makeup. I am not one of those people. Like, Mm -hmm. I love skincare, but, like, makeup is just not my – it's not my ministry. It's not. But – We're going to talk about that. We're we're, going to (laughs) – and when I say talk about it, we're going to – we're going to (laughs) do – So so think about that. I think you're great with makeup, but we're going to, because you and I have this thing where we've decided that we're going to emerge, like we're going to show up online again. 
<laughs> Again. I think makeup is a part of that adventure, like of what we're going to experiment with. Mm-hmm. Hopefully very For soon. For sure. <laughs> but, For sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm open to it, but I just know that like, <laughs> it's not my ministry, mm-hmm. to be You're honest. I think what like you know that excitement that Rihanna created and kind of shame the rest of the brands like long like historical traditional mm-hmm. brands yeah like, you know like literally in her launch she was able to do all these shades so That's... for me it just reinforced that, like if you want to do better you will right yeah yeah um so but sadly within this clothing realm like we haven't observed like integral like movement forward. I think a lot of size inclusion that we see right now is very performative. Mm, um, it is from the perspective of smaller about, bodied people, no? Right, exactly. Like the body body positivity movement, like definitely I I, I mean I found it to be very performative to begin with. Like mm-hmm. I don't particularly subscribe to it because now you see like, you know, it's kind of been misappropriated where like people are just like smaller bodies are just like taking up the whole all the space right and that's not what like you know that's not the message that we're saying is we're not saying that like oh smaller people love your body it's like no there's like that 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 awareness piece that like we there's work to be done Mm -hmm. and so i subscribe more to like fat liberation where we talk about structures and systems of like how to do the work of like you know dismantling a lot of fat phobia that we observe in everyday life mm-hmm. and fashion definitely perpetuates fat phobia you know mm-hmm. um and so personally when it comes to luxury and fashion as much as i love it and it's like an art form that i definitely um have like lo- love throughout my life mm-hmm. i also see the work that needs to be done and i see the harm that it, it has perpetuated and um I think that like, you know, it's really important to keep on challenging that because there is there is the capacity to do better and to create art such as fashion that, you know, includes different bodies, larger mm-hmm. bodies, centers them in an integral way and not a performative way. Um, and lastly, to that point, um, I you know, recently I really loved Mugler, um, like that, you know, mm-hmm. I would watch the runway shows and just all the pieces, um, like, you know, that, that are in stores now. And then, you know, they're like Mugler will create custom pieces for Lizzo. Right. Yeah. And obviously Lizzo is not wearing a size 12, mm-hmm. but they'll, they'll be able to <laughs> custom make it for like a performance. So it's like, you can do it, right? There's really like, what is the barrier there? Right. It's like, it really comes back to your values and like what you perceive fashion to be. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this little asterisk when like, you know, someone's like a, a huge commercially successful star. So they get to access, you know, clothing, but it's like, you, you have the ability to do it. So why don't you do it? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> I so said a lot and there. You, but... you said a lot and you said it beautifully, honestly. Um, made a lot of points. Um, because I think that we're still talking about a need, like a basic need mm-hmm. beyond the fact yeah. that we can we can play with it and and you know, 
experiment and all of that. Like we're still talking about a basic need and it's like, it's wild that it's the way that people still need to advocate people like you and that we still need to have that conversation. Um, Very crazy. And I know it's cliche to say that. And also I want to acknowledge it's not my experience um, physically, but yeah, it's, um, I love that we're discussing it though. (laughs) However, um, how can I word this? The fact that we're talking about, I don't like that we have to, but I love that we're still getting to talk about it. And I love that uh, Mm -hmm. people are going to get to hear that and continue to take Mm -hmm. action. Right and feel seen, feel heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to touch on. There's a few things <laughs> that I should have written <laughs> down, but I feel like you know we talked about smaller body people taking up the space. There's definitely like visually the representation is you know plus size is is you know it's <laughs> when I look at certain. Models, I'm just like, mm, number one, they're not even <laughs> always using models who are the size that they're wearing. That's one thing. And then also there's the fact that there are, these are, these, <laughs> you're considering a, like, not large body to be very large. Like, it's just completely, there's a massive disconnect. And then I think that there's another layer of, like, who is creating the clothing and it's their perception of what is larger or what is large of what what is um a big body right like it's it's okay. from a very specific perspective of a smaller bodied person so it's almost like as much as some of those designers like see the different bodies in the spectrum it's still with their bias and their their body in mind, right? It's I don't know how mm-hmm. to uh, word it exactly, but it's like it's still not mostly, and I don't think it should be um, um, people who have, for example, your body size catering to your body size. Like it should it shouldn't be like that. But I feel like because they're mm-hmm. also missing from the space that. Mm-hmm you can see it in what is available. Do you agree with that? Would you agree or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely agree with that in the sense that, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, the, the part of you saying that like plus size in itself is not even representative of like, you know, expansive bodies. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I'm trying not to like use the word regular it. because regular is not regular. Like what regular is still saying that there's a standard, you know what I mean? And I don't like that. Right. But what I'm saying is right. that what you're saying is plus size. A lot of the time you not you personally, what people are saying is plus size. It It is not for the people that you think it's for. No. So that's a, I I really like that you brought up this point because that's a lot of the, you know, the feedback 
that I like, I, you know, that's a lot of the stuff that I talk with, with other big women, like fat women, self-identified mm-hmm. fat women, mm-hmm. because a lot of these like quote unquote curve models, like there are certain body types that are still deemed as desirable mm-hmm. when it comes in the realm of like plus size or you know, bigger body, so flat stomachs or wider Mm -hmm. heads, hourglass, you know, Um, you know, and also colorism is like across the board, like it still persists in that, you know, so a lot of like, when we see a lot of like black models on the runway, like their phenotype is a particular phenotype. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it kind of, it does reinforce a lot of those, you know, those tropes that like what is desirability even when they're like they're performing the attempt of being size inclusive Mm -hmm. a lot of these models are like size 12 or even size 10 they're tall the weight is distributed in a different way than like Mm -hmm. someone who carries weight in their stomach you know Mm -hmm. um so i think that yeah like i think that again i think it's a very performative and if we're actually doing honest and work about like transforming not only the industry but like the way that we consume things in society i think that like there where it's a lot of it is performative and there's so much more to do um and i just i wish that folks there are other folks like at the table and centered within that conversation because to your other point it was just like you know, when a smaller body is creating for a larger body, there's mm-hmm. always going to be a disconnect because mm-hmm. like it is an embodied experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I definitely agree with the fact that like what we observe as like plus size or, you know, size inclusion is not, it doesn't even scratch the surface of what the work could be mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're on the yeah. same page with that. Um, and then there's another thing I wanted to ask you, Mm because you've talked about how you've kind of, you know, created luxury for yourself, but like, do you remember when luxury was, um, like a luxurious experience was created for you? Um... So... Yes. Um, you know, I, I will say that like in my adult life, particularly like now in my 20s, in my mid to late 20s, you know, like I feel like I have more, I create luxury in particular ways and I have more agency within that, you know. Mm-hmm. But in my earlier life, I remember my grade six graduation, um, I had to go find a dress. And because I was bigger than, you know, um, bigger than a lot of the sizes that were offered for young girls my age, it was really challenging. And I, I remember just dreading it. Like I didn't, I never wanted to go to like prom or mm-hmm. my graduations as a child because there was an aspect of like, I couldn't participate in other ways, in ways that other kids could, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I remember my sister like she wouldn't give up and I was ready. Like I was just over it, you know, cause after a while you just start to feel really bad about yourself. But mm-hmm. my sister took me to Holt Renfrew and like, I had no idea. I'd never been at that time, but she was just like, just try, just try. 
And so I remember this Betsy Johnson dress. It was, um, it was, it was more expensive than like you know what we thought we would spend. But she she really encouraged me to try on the dress. And the one thing about like being I guess in a luxury setting is that there was like a tailor on site. And mm. so the woman saw what we were trying to achieve, and she's just like, if it doesn't fit. I'm going to tailor it to your body to make sure it does. Um, and that in itself just felt kind of like, you know, like I don't need to, it was almost just like kind of offering the fact that like, you don't need to fit the mold, right? Like I can do the work to make it right mm-hmm. for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like that was one of my earliest recollections of one, like my sister recognizing and showing up for me that like even as a child it was like really difficult like mm-hmm. just little things that you wouldn't think were difficult it was in moments yeah. and her like just reminding me to like show up for myself but also introducing me to new things right <laughs> like <laughs> um and then also like that whole tailoring experience is just like if if you find you make a way right like you don't you know that you won't fit into what is being offered to you, but that doesn't mean that there's not a way, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's that's probably, yeah, exactly. That's, that's a that's beautiful memory. Oh, and also there's something <laughs> that just, you know, came up. It's like, we think of the clothing as the mold when really the mold is like the body. It's like, it's yeah. the other way around. It's like, <laughs> your body's not supposed yeah. to fit into that. The thing is supposed to fit your body. Like the mold is not right. the mold. Ah. Yes. So the lady opened the seams and mm-hmm. made it fit, basically. Ah. Right. So you yeah. got the dress. <laughs> oh my god! I got the dress, and I went to my graduation, and I love that dress so much. I still like in my mind. I still see it. Unfortunately, I don't have it with me anymore. <laughs> but I will always remember that memory. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I felt so good, because like the dress was tailored to my body. So I didn't feel self-conscious. I didn't feel like, you know, like it fit. That dress fit me. (laughs) Would you say that was like a turning point in terms of how you navigated clothing your body and like, or especially for special occasions rather than for every day, did it shift? Like, did it create a shift for you? Um, I feel like at that particular time in my life, like, so I moved on into, you know, middle school and I feel like, um, I, it it was the first time I was aware of my body. Like Mm. a lot of my earlier memories of my body is just like what people projected onto me. Mm -hmm. But like, I think that was like almost an awakening of like, you know, trying to see my body for myself or creating a relationship with my body for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would say like from middle school, like middle school was a time where I really did tap into like fashion, right? Because even the story I told previously of like that supply teacher compliment complimenting me on my outfit, that was like me in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was a pivotal time for me of like, actually my body was growing and it was expanding. Mm. And um, I think it was the first time where it's like, I actually had a, 
a clearer lens of like my body and also had started to have a relationship with my body for myself. So yeah, like I've never thought of that before, but that's like a, a good observation, Helena, that like <laughs> that was a really big part of, you know, my awakening within my body. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that for you. Um, and I have a couple more questions because we're going to wrap up. Um, I know you have a meeting and on top of it, yeah, we just we just have to, but we could talk forever. Um, we could. <laughs> I have two questions. I hope that we get to cover each of them. Um, why do you think it's a birthright and so important for us as Black women to experience luxury? Because um, I think we both agree that it is. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yes, why why do you think it's so important as Black women? Because we know, and I think we've talked about this before, that it's technically is something that we have to reclaim it and, and or claim. Mm-hmm. It's not handed to us. It's mm-hmm. frowned upon. It's denied sometimes. Um, so yeah, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I won't, you know, I won't, I don't want to make a generalization for mm-hmm. Black women, but mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of our experiences by just being in, you know, in friendship and community with other Black women is that, you know, as beautiful it is to be in a Black body and to, you know, be in live your black life there's also particular challenges within that and then there's that gendered aspect as well right Mm -hmm. and so the expectation of black women in this life is it feels so it sometimes feels like a cage Mm -hmm. you know like i observe that there's like higher expectations and also it's a lot more punitive in ways when you don't meet those expectations right Mm -hmm. and so that reclaiming part is so important because simply no one's going to offer you that form of reprieve unless you take it for yourself, right? And claim it and hold true to it and tailor it to your body, you know? Um, Those feelings are so precious because, um, you know, like in my experience, like a lot of the work that I've, you know, I try to hold true to, you know, as, as, as a younger woman, a woman in her 20s is that, I need to practice showing up for myself in this life because already I can see and I also observe through the women in my family that, you know, taking that time for yourself will definitely have long-term effects on your wellness, Mm -hmm. on your mental health, and just the way that you navigate this world, you know, you want to... You want to create beauty in your life because, like, you deserve it. And I think all in all, it's literally the affirmation that, like, you know, creating beautiful things or experiences for yourself signals that, like, you have value and you're worth it. And that starts within before all, you know? hmm hmm Yeah. And do you, like, because there's definitely, like, a mental health aspect to it because... I always feel like taking mm-hmm. care of yourself, yeah, is luxury mm-hmm. is taking care of yourself, is making yourself feel good. Mm-hmm. And so there's that intersection um, between the two. Self-care is 
Mm-hmm. I don't think self-care should be luxury, but we're definitely, I think, no. at a time where we treat it as also a recovery from the world instead of mm-hmm. something that should be everyday, constant, um, or at least mm-hmm. as much as possible throughout the day, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's almost like when people treat the weekend as that time to recharge because technically mm-hmm. like the week is going to deplete you and mm-hmm. yeah sure it really shouldn't be that way but i feel like that's kind of the dynamic <laughs> that is reinforced um i would mm-hmm. definitely say that in my in my own process like i i really try to create moments of self-care and luxury as like the norm just mm-hmm just the the normal way that I live, the normal way that I do things. Um, And I can Mm -hmm. see the contrast with like other times where it was mostly like survival mode. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I've mentioned to you in the past, like privately, even the food, like my choices of, was it with you? Yeah. Just the supermarket experience of like, (laughs) Yeah, that to me is also like food is a massive thing to me. I love food. <laughs> I love cooking. I love all the things. And yeah, I can look back at times where I had to make certain choices and it wasn't like, it wasn't, um, it was basic. I'm going to say it was basic, mm-hmm. basic and what I needed, but not me exploring Mm -hmm. and experimenting and um, treating myself or anything like that. So that's definitely my approach now. Um, And it's something difficult about seeing people who don't or can't do that for themselves because it's like that's also their journey, you know, the same way that Mm -hmm. we're on a journey to grow and become self-aware for some. It's not the same purpose for every single human being. But I think that I would identify with that. Like Mm -hmm. I aspire to grow and to become more and more self-aware and to remember uh, my freedom, my abundance. So it's, it's difficult sometimes to see how, because I've changed, I notice people who haven't or notice people who are at a different point and I want more for them, but it's like, you don't force people to do anything really to elevate, to, you know, uh, expand or whatever. Have you seen that in your own life? Like how you've allowed for new experiences and, and, and I don't know, maybe elders or people around you, even Mm -hmm. same age who don't, um, who are at a different level. Is it is it like ever uncomfortable? Hmm. That's a very interesting question. Um, I think, you know, initially as well, like the first thing that comes to mind is that there's certain, you know, as we go on our, along on our journey, mm-hmm. I think it's also like really important to acknowledge that like, Folks just sometimes have different needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, what is a particular need or like 
source in my life might not translate to others. And yeah. so there's also the power of like self-awareness in that too. It's just like, um, you know, just, you know, just being, again, being in a bigger body. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, you know, it's so beautiful how you talk about food, but like food is also weaponized to folks in bigger bodies, right? Yes. So yes. I think the like process of people accessing certain foods and being able to explore is so beautiful when it comes from a place of like not being punitive or mm -hmm. like not feeling restrictive, right? Like seeing folks just eating and enjoying and like a good meal is such a beautiful sight mm -hmm. to me. Um, you know, particularly like women who look like me or just folks in general beyond gender, any binaries, just like being able to access food, not necessarily as a luxury, but as, you know, a, again, like something that is a necessity mm -hmm. or just something like you can access joy within because there's so many structures and like, you know, there's diet culture and all that stuff that's force fed to you. Yeah. Like you have such a unique relationship to food. Everyone does. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, you know, back to like what you were saying of like, have you, observe like you know you elevating and folks are not you know they're going on a different path yeah yes but I, I think the there's like the power within that is that everyone is on a journey and yeah um acknowledging that like you know it, it looks different for everyone absolutely you know? that's so true um I think what I had in mind because what you're saying is absolutely true what I had in mind is I think it might be a more intuitive thing mm -hmm. of seeing people like maybe like in intention, right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. It sounds different. Like people see, seeing people I care about who are tense or not even seeing the possibility for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, um, in into like it's not me um how do i say this i think it's specifically when it it's about black women in my life who i see um wanting things and not allowing themselves to have them or thinking that they're just like a it shouldn't be an everyday thing or mm -hmm not expressing certain needs even. And mm -hmm. sometimes that can become like, I think extra work for the people who are actually there to support you or who want to offer those things um, mm -hmm. just because they can, not because they're um, doing it for you. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of that experience that I had mm -hmm. in mind. Because I think that when, particularly when we're talking about, you know, our experiences of liking nice things and creating sanctuaries mm -hmm. and stuff like that, sometimes it's absolutely something that people just, they're not able to do just yet, or maybe they yeah. don't want it. And there's other moments mm -hmm. where it's like, essentially seeing you embodying that is opening their eyes as to what is possible. Mm -hmm. And so there's that, 
you're existing next to them as they're shifting and you're just going at different paces. And that's beautiful mm-hmm. as much as it can be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with you that this is, we're not all here for the same things. We not, we're not all here wanting the same things, needing the same things. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's beauty in that too. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Last thing <laughs> to close off. How does luxury or self-care or, you know, all of that plays a part in your creative life? Because you are creative and this is definitely a podcast centering creative beings. So what does that look like for you? In any capacity, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It could be from your image to your offerings to all of that. Like, how does that play a part? Hmm. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Going out <laughs> with a big. <laughs> yes. That's such a like, we can, we can have this conversation for days mm-hmm. because there's so many, like, there's so many things within this, right? Because just as we said earlier, like the way that we conceptualize luxury is beyond material. So yes. it like shows up in every way in your life i'm thinking particularly right now is like um you know like as a creative i always and also someone who um is a part of like you know collaborative process and like amongst the team it's like how do i offer reprieve to others in like that practice um it's like something that i think about often because like you know i think i think creative industries can be so devalued in the sense that like everything just gets chalked up to labor and productivity. Mm -hmm. Mm. But when you're a creative, you're not really like linear thinking or like just linear ways of doing things is could be very hard. It's often really hard. Right. Yeah. And so like grace is needed within all of that because sometimes you can, you know, you're able, the process is a lot more, it's, it just feels more like at ease. And then sometimes the process is, is so difficult. And I say that because like, that's my experience. Sometimes I can write and sometimes I can't. Sometimes mm-hmm. I like can get dressed and I love it. And then sometimes like I'm at odds with my body and I feel mm-hmm. really like, you know, just fussy yeah. about everything. Um, and so, yeah, like, and it's also just like being okay with that, like, I'm, I'm just not a robot. I'm also not always like, you know, my fun, like functioning. Sometimes it's just enough to like get through the day. Like today, like with the technical difficulties, it mm-hmm. felt really discouraging because like I had, you know, I put, I put effort into like a backdrop and like what I was going to wear. And then it didn't, it didn't like, you know, come it didn't pan out. I was so excited to see your outfit as usual. <laughs> But also, like, I would love to hear, like, what you your thoughts on that question that you posed, like. The last one? Yes. For me. Um, they go <laughs> hand in hand. I'm going to say they go hand in hand, but they also, like, I would say self-care and me. <clears throat> 
being okay or thriving comes first. You know, mm-hmm. like I think I started this year. Well, no, it was something that I thought about last year, but as it pertains to the beginning of this um, year, like the calendar year, mm-hmm. um, where I told myself like the commitment really has to be to rewire my nervous system and really to heal. And Mm -hmm. I've been, you know, I'm very proactive, very detailed about my inner work and my Mm -hmm. healing journey, physical, mental, all of that. However, I think that sometimes I used to be like, okay, I've journaled for that many days or I've done that self-care practice. And so I would just let it go for a little bit. And then I immediately just start not feeling that good. And it's like, I got to a point where it's like, I have certain things that I want to do in my career, my creative career that Mm -hmm. I will not be able to get away with. I will not be able to do if I'm not implementing the self-care and all Mm -hmm. the things, which includes Mm -hmm. luxury. If I'm not doing those things, (laughs) if I'm not eating the way I want to eat, if I'm not um, pampering myself the way I want to pamper myself, taking the baths. If mm-hmm. I'm not, um, cause it's not just about physical items. It's about all these experiences of just feeling good. I will not be able to perform. Mm-hmm. I will not be able to create. So okay. there's a point where I had, like, I took a walk, um, probably was, late October, like right before going to France. And I I bawled a little bit (laughs) at the realization that I'm just like, I have gone to, like I've reached the the threshold of how much I can get away with, with half-assing certain health practices. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, you're literally not gonna be able to access the next level if you're not taking care of yourself mm-hmm. dil- like even more diligently. And and that is a different level than what people imagine because I'm already like doing way more than mm-hmm. <laughs> most. But I was just like, yes, everybody is different. And the way I'm set up is that even though a lot of people can get away with it and access certain things, it's like, I, I cannot. And it's like accepting that was like a bit tough because I was just like, man, it's not about being productive and constantly healing, constantly mm-hmm. doing. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. But it's just like that realization of like, there's one that actually really comes first. And if you're not obedient with that, doing mm-hmm. or being, existing, slowing down, completely stopping everything if it goes sideways, like other things are not gonna happen. So does that answer the question? I feel like it does. No, it does. I think everyone has a different perspective of the question, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really how I relate to it. It's like, Mm -hmm. number one, is self-care it's it's the healing Mm -hmm. which is not always doing it sometimes it's just existing and being Mm -hmm. so that i can be a creative Mm -hmm. so that i can 
create the things that I want to create, whatever they are, actually. And then, and I talked about career, but it's not just career. It's like overall, because I'm mm -hmm. sure that we both have like outlets that are not, they're not professional. They're creative, but they're not yeah. professional. Yeah. I actually love that you mentioned that because it's true. Like you can enjoy something and not like have to like quantify it. You know what I mean? Monetize like monetize it. it. And, it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that like um, a lot of people will like say to me like, oh, like, you know, especially during like an in influencer type cultures it's like mm. you should be producing and like you know it should be monetized and I think I kind of you know just being offline for a little while kind of like reinforced like the, the love part of it right like I don't want to get dressed and consume like fashion is not cons consumption to me because mm -hmm. like a lot of influencer culture kind of feels like a lot of consumption, overconsumption, yes. Yes. right? And I don't want to get these looks that. beautiful, but where is that going? <laughs> right, and it's not a—it's not necessarily about style always, too. It's all about like marketing a product, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of doesn't feel good. And I think we observe a lot of the time of our favorite like content creators kind of have to like go off on their own a little bit and like step away from it because I can definitely see how like the overconsumption and overstimulization just like doesn't feel good. Oof, that word. Mm -hmm. Overstimulization, yes. <clears throat> I feel like we have a very specific perspective as people who haven't been really online mm -hmm. um, for a an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Because I can see like how people talk about social media sometimes and just existing online. And especially as people who also have this marketing like side to our brain. Yeah. It's just like you can see the thing, but it's just like, do you understand that it's not real? You don't actually have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so interesting because people who have not stopped, who, who never stop, or who yeah. are just becoming aware that they can stop, mm -hmm. we're going to be very aware of like that personal brand, that whole thing, influencing, yeah. like you're, you know, Ugh. we know, but yeah. it's like, wow, a lot of people <laughs> are prisoners of that. And I see mm. creeping up on me, you know, like I have a literal spiritual practice of like disconnecting as I leave the app. Mm-hmm. And I've had different mechanisms. Like sometimes I didn't have Instagram on my phone. Like I had to literally download it if I really wanted to use it. Or sometimes, <laughs> yes. Right now it's not on my screen. I can't tack it. Like I have to type Instagram oh, on wow. my phone for it to pop up. <laughs> um, yeah. But then when I post something, there's that endorphin thing. It's like it's yeah. it's built in. And so I'm just like I have this moment where I'm like, okay, we're we're disconnecting. We're disengaging. Like mm -hmm. I have to say it and to and to like actually do it because otherwise your mind is still in in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And also like the whole thing about like commodifying you as yourself. Like mm -hmm. I hear that like personal branding, <gasps> oh and then like <laughs> the, you remember the time when it became a thing? Like I am a brand. Like it became. Right? Like, and it just like. Ooh. 
Ooh, I remember that time. I was just like, <laughs> okay, we're really doing that. People are really talking like that now. Wow. Yeah. Oh. But yeah. I have her. a friend who, like, she's, she's my, I, I say that she's like, she's a stylist. She's mm-hmm. in the States. Her name is Black Manhattan on Instagram. Follow mm-hmm. her. She's really dope. She does, like, she's definitely one of those people who like love fashion and style and luxury but she's also does like sustainability like initiatives Mm. so she's a huge thrifter she you know she she definitely takes up that practice as like a lifestyle which is really beautiful but she's she said to me recently like I don't want to be a brand I just want to live my life Mm -hmm. and I think about that often and it's just like I don't need to offer myself to the world like I can literally just live my life it's a choice Mm -hmm. but it doesn't often feel like a choice when like we're all online and like even when people have to access your work it's just like they see you and your branding above all Mm -hmm. and that doesn't feel good often you know yeah yeah like I have to market myself I can't just like pour it into my work and I would prefer pouring it into my work you know Mm -hmm. yeah Mm, such a complex thing Mm -hmm. it was amazing talking to you i'm so glad we did it i know we'll do we'll do a follow-up yeah we'll do a follow-up touch the surface i know but this is (laughs) this is podcasting for you wrap for today we appreciate you for listening and we hope you enjoyed every bit of this episode before you leave though we got a special request for our mvps please don't forget to tell a friend about us and take a quick minute to leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice it means the world to us and really helps our platform reach more amazing listeners like you follow us at the flow prints on all socials and see you next time